Welcome to Diving Into Crypto. Diving Into Crypto. A weekly series where thought leaders share insights, strategies, and insider stories about all things crypto and Web3. Brought to you by Adlunum. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome to our next episode of Diving Into Crypto. Today, you can see that we are already having a, uh, a tete-a-tete with Mike from Blockless, uh, and he's going to be talking more about building blocks on the blockchain. And before we begin, though, I want to remind our listeners in the room, please remember you have the reaction buttons. Use them throughout the show when you want to agree with something. If you want to raise your hand to ask a question, we have a we have a segment for that towards the end of the show. And please remember that all ideas that are shared on this program belong to that of the speaker, right? And it's not to be taken as financial advice in, in any way, right? So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get started. This is JP from Adlunum INC speaking to you about Web3. And today on the show, we have Mike Chan, who is the co-founder of Blockless. Welcome, Mike, and good yep. morning to you. Mike, can you hear us? Yep. Yep, I'm right here, and thanks for having me today. Awesome. And so, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit about Mike. Mike was in crypto in 2017, where he started mining and trading, uh, and later on in, as a matter of fact, more than me having to give you an introduction, Mike, why don't you tell us a little about what drove you into the Web3 arena? What, what, was that, what was that turning point for you? What was your, your journey into Web3 like? Okay, uh, Mike, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you right now. Yeah, some internet issues. Okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, Mike, I was about to, uh, I just asked a question for the audience because I can see that some of them want to know, uh, right. what got you to Web3? What was that turning point for you that said, you know, Web3 is the space to be? Right. Exactly. Let me actually talk about my background uh, and what I was doing before Web3. So, uh, you know, in uh, back in the day, it was really 2017, right? So, you know, before that, I was uh, in academia, actually doing philosophy. Uh, I was uh, hmm. I was Kantian. Uh, uh, I love Kant and uh, and doing epistemology mostly uh, at uh, New York University. Um, and then later on, you know, I was thinking, uh, not really me. I was thinking, you know, uh, there there there's actually a friend of mine, uh, a family friend of mine, you know, who who showed me basically. Oh Michael, there's this thing called a uh, Ethereum, right? And and right now you can basically uh, pull up a mining rig uh, using like GPUs, and uh, you can make money at your in your garage. And I was like, wow, okay, this is amazing. This is also a little weird, right? Oh, uh, how does this work, right? So so this is how really I uh, first got familiar with um, uh, crypto and Ethereum. Uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't okay. one of those super early people who learned Bitcoin in uh, the 2013 circle. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I, that's how, you know, initially I learned about Ethereum and later on, you know, I registered my uh, uh, Coinbase account, the, the old route, the usual way, right? So that's that's how I initially started. Um I mean, I just got more and more interested, right? As I learned into it, right? That's 2017, the ICO creates, uh, where there are many, many projects out there and many, many interesting ideas. And uh, uh, and, and to be honest, uh, many of those projects are very rudimentary. Um, uh, a lot of scams as well, right? Back in the day. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that that was a very good time. <laughs> Yeah, those were those were uh, those were the initial years, and in in some ways, the the start of, of, of more of adoption into crypto. And of course, it's it started being because it's it's still so unregulated. Right. right. Uh, it many have had different kind of experiences, and some some have been good, and some have been well, not so good. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So as, as 
yeah uh, so so as a person who's who started from a, a web to space uh, what were some of the challenges for you to to transition into into web3 mm. and what would you like web2 developers to understand about you know shifting to web3 mm-hmm. yeah i see um i mean to be honest i i wasn't really a developer when i uh, you know before joining web2 right so um i guess one of the uh, bigger challenges right shifting from my original paradigm which is you know in academia mostly uh into web3 which is a you know technical uh space um was really i need to pick up everything right i need to pick up okay what is solidity you know how is ethereum working um and still i'm a non-coder today um so but you know i because the nature of my work. So like previously I was at uh, Binance for three years. Initially I was there doing operations. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't too hard. I was doing a lot of the writing uh, for the company um, and maintaining relationship with outside parties. Uh, but that was the beginning of my career at Binance. But later on, you know, uh, I actually transitioned to the research department, which kind of requires me to, uh, it, it required a lot of skills out of my comfort zone, basically, you know, um, not only fundamental analysis of our projects, but also the ability to examine their code uh, and to, mm-hmm. to, to have a deep understanding regarding the underlying technologies uh, for each project. Um, because back right. in the day, we're, we're doing project due diligence for everything, right? If you're, no matter if you're pre-listing or if it's, uh, you're already on Binance, um, mm-hmm. and back in the day, you know, it's required for us to, to, to write, uh, many research reports for those projects list, listed on Binance. So, uh, back then I really had no choice, um, but to finish my work, uh, it was, um, I mean, r- writing was natural to me. So, you know, if you go on to research.binance.com, uh, I pretty much mm-hmm. wrote it 95% uh, of everything before the year of 2021. Um, that part was not that that part to be honest wasn't that difficult it's just very tedious a lot of work uh, you have to be very careful to not make mistakes um but the part that's truly um a bit challenging for me in the very beginning was really to um to to to, to really understand all the projects right from a non-technical perspective and then transition into a technical perspective um and uh, really making sure <clears throat> I have a holistic understanding of what's going on in the space. Um, back in the day, I think in 2017, mm-hmm. it's earlier, right? 2017, 2018, 2019, yeah. everything was simpler. And we don't have that many sub-niches mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in crypto. But right now, I would say it's more and more difficult, um, not just for me, I think, uh, I think, <laughs> to keep track of everything that's going on here. Um, uh, every day, there are so many things happening. Uh, so, so I would say, even though as uh, someone who's in the space for some years, um, mm-hmm. I would still say like nowadays, the biggest challenge for me, uh, not just only as someone who originally started in Web2, but uh, as someone who has been here for some time, right? Uh, the biggest challenge is really to uh, being able to keep track of and being able to figure out like what is actually going on right now in this space. So like right now, um, you know, because I'm funding a project, I, uh, you know, I don't really have a choice but to um, keep track of uh, what is happening on Twitter. Um, I mean, oftentimes, you know, when, when you're funding a project, it's very easy for you to get lost in your day-to-day work and uh, be not very mindful yeah. regarding what's going on outside. Um, right. So, so like right now, I'm trying not to do, to do that. I try to not let that happen. So, um uh, if I can, I'm always on Twitter, you know, talking to people and trying to see what other people are talking about, right? Uh, so trying to have an open mindset. Uh, I can't just, you know, uh, say because I'm building infrastructure and then I just don't look into uh, NFTs and, uh, you know, trading, that kind of stuff. I need to have a, you know, a open mindset and really uh, be able to see everything uh, and where the basically where the industry is going yeah well that's that's certainly uh, that that's certainly something that's insightful you also uh, might have touched upon a, a segment that you can offer a perspective that goes beyond 
you know, what maybe just someone in tech would be able to to um, to provide, right? So you you also seem to have the perspective of not only being academically inclined, being able to do research, and especially for, for an organization like like Binance, before you 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 write it out and share that information, but you're also an entrepreneur. So uh, that's that certainly is a unique mix of uh, you know somebody in the Web three space at this point, and that with that in mind, Mike, what I'd like to ask you is. Um, for most of us in the room, of course, we we aren't as as uh, what do you say? We haven't had that kind of opportunity. So, not having that kind of opportunity, and you being able to to go through some of the fundamentals where projects are concerned, from your point of view, what usually made uh, a you know a project stand out? What were some of the the strong points that you would look for to say that this project, uh, you know, was really going to do something? Mm, I see. I see. Uh, this question, yeah, this is actually a very interesting one. Um, to be honest, if you ask me this question mm-hmm. uh, one year ago, or actually two years ago, if you ask me this this question right. two years ago, I would tell you it's mostly luck. Um, yeah, <laughs> let, let let me tell you why, really. And, and right now, I do have a different perspective as a founder. Yeah. Um, so, so back in the day, because I was at Binance Research, I was reviewing so many projects from a day-to-day basis. Um, and it's not only about, um, you know, those projects get that, that's listing on Binance, like recently, but also, uh, I'm, I'm looking at all the old projects that, that's listed on Binance on, in 2017, right? So... Uh, while I was doing, you know, post-listing maintenance work, uh, you know, I look into all of those projects and, you know, make sure they're doing all right. They're not cheating their community, right? Um, you know, one thing I realized back in the day was really that there are a lot of projects in 2017 that failed or did not get right. any market attraction. Uh, mm-hmm. And this happened not, not because they're, they're a bad project, you know, they, they have excellent ideas, excellent teams, um, mm-hmm. but really they're simply too early. They're too early. The, the market wasn't ready for something like that. Um, and let me let me actually give you one example. I think that this one would be interesting. So so right now I'm co-founding the project uh, Blockless with, uh, 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 you know, uh, my co-founder, Bhutan, and she was actually a very experienced entrepreneur. And in, 20, in 2017, she launched a crypto project called Wabi, W-A-B-I. Uh, and right now is mm-hmm. uh, rebranded to Tailtech. So what they wanted to do back right. in the day was, it was actually a very good blockchain use case. Um, and it's, uh, you know, uh, blockchain is a supply chain solution. Yeah. So basically they, mm-hmm. they, they have a, uh, a B2C um, structure where uh, you're, if you're a customer, right, and, and you're able to, you know, uh, um, track where uh, this 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 merchandise this uh, this piece of goods that you're buying like where is it coming from right is and it's all on chain right uh, I mean which to be honest is a very uh, very good um, a web two plus web three uh, use case right um, so and and then uh, but I mean back in twenty seven and they they were able to raise a lot of money for that to be to be frank and. Um, but then there's a timing issue, right? Because in 2017, people are mostly interested in, you know, uh, which coin is going to pump the most, right? Uh, people are interested in trading instead of actual utilities back in the day, right? And um, I would say this right. is a natural transition because, uh, say, for the whole crypto industry, right? Um, we started with trading and bookkeeping because this is a mature functionality initially provided by Bitcoin. And later on, inherited mm-hmm. by Ethereum, right? Smart contract, mm-hmm. you know, programmability. It was something that came later on. Yeah. Uh, no matter how immature the blockchain platform is, there is always this one central theme to it, and that is bookkeeping, right? And this came from Bitcoin. Um, you can always yeah. do bookkeeping, uh, meaning you can do transactions, right? You can do transactions on the blockchain, uh, and then this made uh, speculation and transactions possible. So this is why you know you, we, we we see all those everything with the transactional property, uh, 
you know, ha having a really good time. Let's put it that way. Uh, for the, in the previous couple of years, right? Say finance, right? Uh, exchanges, mm -hmm. they're making a lot of money. Um, but right now, I do hope, you know, as, uh, you know, programmability and all the developer tools are getting more and more ready, uh, you know, the whole space can step into a sphere, uh, you know, where, you know, pro programmability and, you know, really the ability to, to create functions is more important than just trading stuff, right? Uh, but that's kind of off the topic. Uh, let me go back to it. <laughs> so... Uh, so, so previously, you know, as I was reviewing all of those projects, right, uh, I figured that timing is super important for a project to succeed. Uh, and it's very tricky, to be honest. Uh, and right. uh, if, say, you know, uh, you see how Uniswap was, was booming uh, during the last couple of years, right? And uh, exactly. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, ZeroX protocol. Mm, can't, no, to be honest, I'm, I'm not familiar with the use case, but please tell us. Okay, so, so Xerox protocol is actually an order book that, uh, a order book protocol, right? So, so it's a protocol layer on Ethereum that enables everyone to, to build order book decentralized exchanges, right? So, so order book style decentralized exchanges, while uh, Uniswap is doing automated market maker style decentralized exchanges. And in terms of timeline, Zero X mm -hmm. having a more complex function or more complex utility mm -hmm. actually was there before Uniswap, right? Uh, and, right. and they were actually there in 2017. But, uh, you know, until this day, I, I would say the traction they got was very minimal. And in my perspective, right. if Uniswap was launched in 2017, uh, they would have mm -hmm. died already. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, back in the day, really, you know, with all of those order book decks, um, the functionality they're able to provide is basically, basically the same as Uniswap version 3 right now. It's the same. Uh, or at least from a user's perspective, it's going to be very, very similar. Yeah. Uh, but they were not able to attract users, right? Because it was too complex back in the day. Yeah. And later on, it's really, you know, in terms of market timing, right, and product market fit. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when Uniswap first came out, right, they really took half a step back uh, from okay. the Web3 ideal, which was, you know, uh, having a full Web2 uh, order book trading experience, but in a decentralized way. That was Xerox uh, 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 protocol. They took half a step back mm -hmm. from that difficult ideal and make some compromise, right. right? Because swapping is actually a very simple logic. Um, yes. So, so they took half a step back and they made it work. So this is okay. really, you know, back in the day, you know, when I was doing this and together with all of those projects in um, uh, la that launched in 2017 with really good ideas, you know, I got this impression that, okay, timing is very, very important. And as a project, right, uh, there are many, many aspects to your, to your success that's uh, based on luck, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I was having a very pessimistic view about funding a project. That's, right. ba that's back in the day. Um, but then later on, you know, because I'm doing everything myself now and uh, I, I'm, I'm in the shoes of a founder, right? Things change. Mm -hmm. um, right. Every day, I'm I'm pretty much uh, I, I pretty much wake up uh, seven eight a.m. and then I work all the way until twelve midnight uh, or even later. So so like every day is like that because I mean as a startup, there's just so much to do. Um, of course, and every day I'm with my co-founders, just strategizing and coordinating work with uh, our new team members, um, and. I mean, it offers me a different perspective um, from the fact that, okay, I see uh, what it takes uh, to, you know, more more realistically, right? Uh, I experience right. more realistically, like what it takes to be a entrepreneur. Uh, because previously, you know, I was, you know, when you're reviewing projects, right? Uh, you're, you're looking at from a, uh, from a perspective, uh, a detached perspective, right. I have to say. 
right? Um, but when, when, when you are actually in it, you, you do realize, okay, you know, when, when people are talking about, oh, this project does this, that project does that, uh, is, yeah. is, you know, this sentence is very light. It's, it's, it's flowing almost. <laughs> and, you know, it, it tells people what this project does, but uh, this is 5% of the reality. And there's, as a founder, when I, when I tell you, oh, block this, 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 um, this is oftentimes, uh, you know, it has to be an oversimplification of what's, go- what's actually going on, right? Um, and 90 for, 95, and, and what we're doing might sound simple, but then 95% uh, of what's hidden is, is a lot of hot work, I have to say. And, and okay. hot work makes a difference. Uh, so, so that's the entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the that's the entrepreneur life. Most of us have the perspective that you know, okay, startups are all about the glamour, all about the the VC, and then right. you have the uh, yeah, you you have the impact of hey, you know what, the trend of uh, this is how many millions I was able to get funding into my company, right. and most people just look at that and that number, but avoid uh, focusing on the grunt that it you know the the, the grunt and the grit required to really make that work mm-hmm. because nobody's giving you money for nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, to, yeah. to be honest, like, uh, I just want to chime in on the fundraising issue as well. So right, right now in the recent two years, I felt like fundraising has been increasingly a problem for, own, uh, for not only projects actually, um, but also VCs. Right. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm having a lot of friends, right? Back, especially back in 2020, uh, two years ago. Uh, when there's a lot of money flowing uh, in the market and it's pretty, you know, I have, you know, I, I have like 10, 20 friends uh, doing different things yeah. and then they just came to do crypto VC because there's so much money to be raised out there from LPs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually created a problem where uh, you, you see there are many crypto projects, right, that they want to find uh, funding. But then they're not reaching mm-hmm. out to, they're not reaching out to the newer funds because those funds they have no value at besides money, um, and then for those new funds it's very hard for them to get projects uh, because those projects don't want them. Those projects only want like top tier, uh, top tier uh, funds like Paradigm, H sixteen Z, that kind of that kind of funds, right? So um, there there's actually a disconnect between capital and projects in a sense, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, there's. To this day, very, very, very much still a monopoly in the capital market. Yeah, I, I, I hope this is something that changes for the better, uh, in in the in the next bull market. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, you know, I, I hope so as well because uh, there's there's a constant state of evolution. You know, we're getting more and more exposed to to ideas, to understanding, uh, the market focus that goes into exactly like you're saying timing, and you know whether a project's going to be ready at this point of time for the market is going to accept it as if not mm-hmm. so uh yeah so these are certainly very interesting times yeah, sorry for interrupting <laughs> that's fine um okay so I, my next question my next question to you would be centered around uh since we're talking about this paradigm shift yep. right uh and maybe from an from an entrepreneurial if you uh you know also coming from an from an academic point of view uh and as you said, you know, taking taking a step back or even half a step back, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are what are the, some of the things that uh, some of the skill sets that you feel that we're gonna need over the next five year horizon from two perspectives, right? As as a retail investor into crypto, mm-hmm. right, or as a newbie into crypto, mm-hmm. uh, from an investor point of view. And as well as if somebody were to launch a project, so from that entrepreneurial point mm-hmm. of view, uh, if you share light on these two, with these two perspectives in mind. Mm, I see. So, so basically uh, in the next couple of years, right, if I'm a retail investor, what kind of skill should I have? And if I'm an entrepreneur, what kind of skill should I have? Right. That's the question. Exactly. Mm, okay. Um, I'm reaching out to your retail as well as your your current newfound uh, skill set as an entrepreneur. Right, right. Yeah, let me think about this actually. So, so as a uh, uh, as a retail investor, I uh, I would still say you know 
having the ability to do your own research. <laughs> I mean, this is something <laughs> people always talk about, but I, we, I, I cannot stress this enough. Um, being able to uh, do your own research and really look into what's going on within different projects. I, I think this still, uh, to this day, is uh, you know, a very core skill if you're a retail investor, no, man, uh, no matter if you're uh, investing in primary or secondary markets. Um, right now, you see in Web3, there are so many sub-niches going on. There are so many projects. It's really hard for you to keep track of. So, uh, you know, one kind of career actually came, to, came into place, and that is being a information curator, right? No matter if you're a KOL okay. or if you're... Uh, you, you know, say, say for you guys, right? You, you guys are doing podcasts and uh, really educating the public uh, and acting as someone who absorbs information and re redistribute, redistribute this information to his followings, right? Um, you know, right. as a curator in, in, in the Web3 economy. Um, and when, when, when someone is following a curator, right? Oftentimes, say, um, if I'm on Twitter, right? I, I'm following a lot of KOLs as well, right? Uh, I'm following a lot of people, you know, that, that, that would say, oh, right now, uh, there's this, uh, this new, new layer one called Aptos, right? <laughs> there's new layer one mm -hmm. called Sway. And they, they have this, uh, uh, really fabulous, um, what is it? Uh, a new language called move, right? Um, and they're going to uh, completely, uh, be the new paradigm and they're going to, you know, uh, defeat Solana, whatever. Um, so, so I see all of those every day and. I mean, as a retail investor, I think it's very important to be able to tell what's going on, like by yourself. So, so mm -hmm. even though you have all of those very convenient information streams, uh, just don't take that for granted, right? Um, I mean, oftentimes those, uh, you know, those KOLs on Twitter, right? They, they, they have their own likings, right? They have their own preferences, uh, they have their own strategies and agendas, right? Uh, so it's. Uh, I mean, but, but your money as a retail investor, that's your money. So just be very careful regarding what you do with it, <laughs> I would say. Uh, I mean, people have been talking about, you know, do your own research, do your own research for so many years. And I just couldn't stress that enough. Uh, so, so that's still on the um, uh, retail investor side. And I think on the entrepreneur side, uh, I think one of the more important thing is really to think out of the box um, and don't get, uh, don't get too happy on the current, uh, current narratives. Um, right. because, uh, I was, I would still say, you know, Uniswap was a prime example of this. Uh, you know, Uniswap back in the day, no one would have expected, uh, an application like that to pop up. Okay. To be frank, uh, because that was really not the, not the direction the market was going back in the day when, 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 um, uh, when Uniswap first came out. Um, people are doing right. other things uh, back in the day and it's really, you know, they're taking like half a step back uh, as I, you know, that's the way I'd, I'd put it. Uh, and it's a very unusual stance in the market. Um, and even for like right now, right. Um, I would say since, uh, I think like last year, right after DeFi summer, it's very hard mm -hmm. uh, for you as an entrepreneur to realize, okay. NFT is going to be the next big thing. <laughs> right. right. I, I mean, to, to be frank, in, back in the day, I do have some colleagues uh, at Binance who are, who are truly visionaries and they've been telling me, oh, Michael, NFT is the next big thing. Uh, and I wasn't able to grasp at all uh, back in the day. There, there are people like that. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, uh, but then, uh, you know, for 99% of the people, it's, it's very hard uh, to be to to predict uh, what's going on next. Mm -hmm. So so I would say as an entrepreneur, the most important thing is really uh, sticking to what you have passion for, right? What you think is important, and keep working on it, mm -hmm. right? That's the story of Uniswap, and that is uh, also the story here at Blockless. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll explain that more, but uh, I do think you know, uh, not following the mainstream, right? Because say, uh, say beginning of the beginning of the year, right? When NFT was still very right. hot, right? Uh, I do know many friends mm -hmm. who are, you know, building an NFT exchange, but then because it's very hot and then you're building it afterwards, it's already a bit too late, right? The competition is a bit too hard. 
Um, and uh, right now, a lot of those friends building NFT marketplaces are pivoting to something else. Yeah, um, it's kind of difficult. Um, so, and really, you know, thinking about uh, Web3 in general, uh, mm-hmm. again, just predicting the future is very hard. Um, but as a builder, I think, as, or as an entrepreneur, uh, we should always yeah. have the confidence in ourselves and in the products that we're building that this will be part of the future instead of following the future. Okay. Uh, understood. Understood. So, Mike, I also at this point of time want to kind of switch gears and, and thank you for those those points because the, the do your own research can't be stressed enough. Um, before we go to the next question, it just struck me. Uh, once again, you, you're in a position to offer, offer us uh, a unique perspective, having written for Binance. You know, that, that being said, when it comes to your own research, I, yes, I understand, and I'm certain the audience does as well, that we have, you know, you, you, can, you can keep an open mind, listen to KOLs, look at both sides of the coin, read the white paper, read the website, research the team. Um, but Mike, from, from your point of view, mm-hmm. uh, what... Can you share with us an ingredient in your from your secret sauce that made you successful uh, when it came to uh, you know calling that right project where, wow. where you could say that hey you know what I- okay okay I see I see mm. yeah this is to be honest uh, this is again a very difficult question you're posting me <laughs> uh, let me let me actually think about this yeah. Uh, because I mean over the years uh, this is part of your job right and, and, and it's pretty um, over the years, it grew into you. So, so right now, I have to really mm-hmm. articulate what's going on in my um, subconscious, right? Um, so, I I think a few things that's very um, that's very useful when when doing due diligence on a project. Um, the the first thing, of course, is you know the the overall of going going through their their website, their um, their website, their their uh, social media channels, right? Uh, their community channels, right? To see what's going on. Right. You know, one very important right. metric that we do is always, you know, diving into the community and just be there. Right. Just be with your community and see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, you, you will be able to tell, uh, you know, where the project is and the general community uh, vibe mm-hmm. um, if you're there for like three days or something. It, it doesn't take that much time, but it gives you a really good understanding. Um, by, by participating right. in the project, say, you know, if they have Twitter space, if they have, uh, but Twitter spaces for nowadays, back in the day, we didn't have that. If they have like podcast interviews, uh, they have community open sharing sessions, um, you know, AMAs, right? Just be there as a community member. This is uh, one of the really good things to do uh, and just be patient with it, right? If you truly wish to learn what's going on with that project. Um, and uh, reading reading, reading their documentations is, is very important as well. Right, uh, this is something everyone everyone does. Uh, but sometimes you're able to tell if the team is very competent from their writing. Um, right, there there are, there are teams that really just don't care uh, about the information mm-hmm. they're presenting. Right, and I personally, I'm not a fan of that. Right, uh, th- there are projects that uh, say you know don't have uh, that's not outputting like consistent uh, information. I don't like that as well. Right. Uh, so basically, uh, what I'm looking for, right, if I'm reading a white paper and I'm not only trying to understand the technicality of it, uh, but also uh, try to see, okay, is the team actually trying, actually putting an effort into it? Right. So this is very important. Right. Um, and I would say another thing, uh, an easy trick, to be honest, is that if this is an open source project, uh, and, and mm-hmm. back in the day at Binance, you know, when, when some coins getting listed, they will always have the privilege of, asking the team to say, oh, do you have a private repository? Can we have a look, right? Uh, but yeah. as a uh, retail investor right now, uh, so, so am I, right? I'm also a retail investor. Uh, so to, to look into yeah. projects and really uh, look into the GitHub is, I, I think still is a very um, key process uh, where, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you just go on to, you go to the project's official website, you look into their GitHub, right? You see who, how many contributors they have, right? Uh, I mean, for an open source project, you don't want there to be only one contributor, right? Um, you, you want there to be many, 
and you want the pull requests to be uh, you know very frequent, right? You want contributions to be very frequent, um, and you also want to look at you know individual investors what they're actually doing. Are they actually doing? Are they actually putting in new code, or are they you know deleting stuff and then, uh, or are are they just putting like empty space uh, in into the code, right? If they're actually doing anything, um, and you know if the things they're, that they're working at is actually in line with yeah. the project's uh, roadmap, right? So all of these are like very simple things you can do in five minutes, but it offers you a very mm -hmm. good understanding uh, regarding what the project is doing. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, so I'm sorry, Ben. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just stunned by, by the answer. And yeah, that, that was extremely insightful for me, but please, if you've got more thoughts, go, go for it. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, uh, GitHub is uh, very important and community is very important. Uh, so, so those are, I, I would say, are like the two very um, important things that we always look for when, uh, you know, doing due diligence for a project. Um, but also mm -hmm. I would say it's uh, another important thing uh, as a, uh, what is it, uh, a retail investor is to not, um, overestimate um, the team's background, right? Say, you know, the, 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 I know there are many teams out there, right, that have a really, uh, you know, their founders look very experienced, right? You know, whether they're from, you know, GP Morgan, whatever, right? Uh, so, yeah. so uh, I mean, that was kind of a stereotype already. Uh, and just mm -hmm. having, you know, a very pretty a Web2 resume. Um, yeah. And, you know, pretty resume doesn't, doesn't mean a lot, to be honest. Uh, this is uh, not only from uh, my um, uh, my experience as a project analyst at Binance Research, but also as an entrepreneur as myself. Um, you know, pretty resumes don't mean anything. Uh, look into the pro the things that, that they're doing. Look into their writings, right, from their blogs, right? Uh, dig deep into their reasonings, right? Why are they doing this project? What's the reasoning behind it? Are they truly motivated to build it, or are they just doing a money grab with a shill, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. So, 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 uh, just don't. Uh, I would say don't get fooled by those, you know, pretty resumes. That they don't matter, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. All right. I I think that 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 does shed a lot of light on it, and and thank you for sharing that insight, Mike, because. Those are some of the things most of us are, are not able to witness or not able to consider because the primary source of information, unfortunately, today is, is either on social media or, you know, through, through URLs. But we not many of the retail investors understand the analysis uh, to the depth. So to the depth that they should. But at the same time, when they listen to you, uh, you know, sharing these thoughts, I'm certain it, it's motivating them to be able to consider more avenues that they would not ordinarily have had. Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so, so, so thanks for that. Okay. Um, that being said, and I know that you, you, you've mentioned that you're not too much of, into the development aspect of, of, of the business right. uh, down to the grassroots. But, um, I'm, I'm certain from your perspective, you, you're seeing that there are developers that are, are maybe struggling uh, in in the Web three space, mm -hmm. uh, is there what what are you seeing at this point? I'm going to keep that broad, but I'm going to mm -hmm. ask you what is it that you're seeing in terms of them being able to accomplish, uh, you know, um, better uh, Web three uh, DApps or being the, having the ability to work on those projects. I see, I see. So look, right now there's a huge entry hurdle, right, to Web three projects, uh, and that is actually not only to Web2 developers, but also, uh, you know, as a Web3 developer, the things you can build is also being limited by the by the infrastructure. Um, so from a, a Web2 developer's perspective, right, they are familiar with uh, many tech stack that is, uh, that cannot directly be utilized in Web3, right? Um, so, you know, there, there are traditional, you know, Web2 tools and uh, database management, this and that. Um, but like, and, and also they're familiar languages, right? Um, is yeah. if you're only developing on chain, then, you know, you have to use solidity, right. Or, or some other things, right. Uh, you have to learn a new language and that is why, you know, solidity developers are highly sought after in the past few years. 
Um, and right. But the thing is, really, you know, not everything can be built on chain. Uh, you know, if we're talking about a blockchain, it's a, <laughs> um, you know, it really came from Bitcoin as a bookkeeping system, right? It's a consensus engine, right? It is something that's not optimized for executing everything, right? I mean, if you want some high volume, high frequency request, then mobilizing 1,000 nodes around the globe to work on that together for you, I mean, intuitively, it's, it's, it's not the best option, right? It's just not. Um, and so like uh, building on blockchain isn't like the only option and it's not the best option um, for, for, for developers. So, I mean, I think from 2017, you start to see people building their own uh, their own decentralized node networks, right? Uh, say in the case of Chainlink, right. right? Chainlink has their own Oracle networks, uh, and they're on uh, right now one of the really prominent players, the Graph, right? Doing indexing, uh, they have their own uh, uh, decentralized node network, which is off chain, right? Uh, because they're a network, mm -hmm. right? Decentralized node network, it has to be off chain; it's not part of the chain, uh, and then. You have all of those content delivery networks. You have all those streaming networks. Uh, you have uh, P2P messaging. You have you know crushing bridges, right? Crushing bridges are uh, you know the off chain network as well. You have all of those rollups, right? Recently, you, you see many rollups. Uh, basically, a bunch of computers uh, just working on transactions and feed it back to on chain, right? Um, so you see many of those, right? Uh, that's people trying to be services and applications that's not purely on chain, right? Because the services mm -hmm. they try to provide exceed the service boundaries of a blockchain, right? If we're talking to block, we're talking about a blockchain, right? There are mainly two limitations, right? The first part is really a blockchain is a centralized, uh, it is a centralized transaction system, meaning, um, you know, if you're in a blockchain, if as a node. There are only two things you can gather, you can you can access at one point, and that for the, mm -hmm. the first is um, uh, the current network state, right? If you're Ethereum node, you, you know the current Ethereum state, right? Another thing you know right. is the current the new transaction input, right? You know like whoever's initiating a new transaction, yeah. Um, so yeah. and and those are actually the two, only two things you know. Right, you are unable to access outside data and outside resources, uh, and 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 this is why we have Chainlink, we have oracles, right, and this is why we have uh, cross chain bridges, right. You see, mm -hmm. um, so this is one problem that blockchains have, um, and but we, you know, this is that function was out of their boundary, but within their boundary as a consensus engine, they're doing incredibly well. Um, and then the other limit to it is that, as mentioned, right, they're, you're coordinating, mobilizing thousands, hundreds and thousands of nodes uh, for them to work together to, to execute the same transaction for you, right? Then it's going to be slow, right? Transaction latency, okay. right? For them to uh, communicate with each other. And then the other thing is really, exactly. you know, it's very expensive, right? You have to mobilize everyone, like a thousand people instead of like 10 people, right? Uh, for them to work for you, yeah? It's going to be very expensive. So, uh, if you're if you're a application that requires high volume and high frequency requests, then you know mm -hmm. building a purely on chain will be very difficult. So right now, you know, uh, as an entrepreneur and a project analyst, right, looking into into this industry for some years, I would say um, a main challenge right now for for people that wants to be complex and mature functionalities is that. Mm -hmm. um, their 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 services require them to have this uh, uh application specific or custom built node network, yeah, because they cannot right. do it on chain, right? They have to do it in a decentralized way if they want, right? In a decentralized way, meaning they need a decentralized node network, and then they need to build everything themselves. And this, in my observation, has been becoming a major, um, major uh, um, hurdle. Uh, for for developers mm -hmm. to build, uh, to 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 innovate and build meaningful things, yeah. Okay, wow. Uh, so that's that's certainly a, a, a lot of digestion. I'm, however, curious to understand is is this one of the things that you know the uh, the company that you you mm -hmm. you, you founded? Right. Is this one of the things 
uh, blockless, you know, solves as a problem? And what are some of the other, uh, you know, solutions blockless provides? Right, right, exactly. Uh, you're, you're exactly on point. So I was actually, um, you know, I, I'm thinking about blockless. I'm dreaming of block, about blockless every day. And even as I'm answering your question, I'm, you know, coming into blockless. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, to be honest, like, uh, let me let me tell you a bit of, a bit of the backstory behind, you know, why we're building blockless, right? So, um, back into summer last year, so actually this time last year, you know, I was talking to a developer friend of mine and, uh, you know, uh, he's actually an expert in building layer twos. Uh, and, and we were talking about, okay, uh, what are the things that we can still build today that's meaningful, right? Mm -hmm. And all the ideas we had came into building off-chain, meaning, the functionalities or the infrastructure, the backend of it needs to be outside of a blockchain because a blockchain is too limiting. Yeah, it's very good for bookkeeping, but right. not necessarily good for executing everything that we need today in Web2. Yeah, and really for Web3 okay. to transition into something that can replace Web2 nowadays, you will need those functionalities, right? Uh, transitioning into Web3 doesn't mean we give up all the convenience that we have today with say YouTube, Twitter, Right, all, uh, all the services that we use, right? We only need to do them better, right? We don't give them up. So uh, in order to do that, you know, we can provide all those complex functionalities in a decentralized way, right? We can do that. Uh, it's, it's just a lot of work that we need to do. But in order to get us there, uh, mm -hmm. back in the day, we are trying to build an automated OTC marketplace. Uh, basically connecting retail users with uh, market makers, kind of, uh, I mean, it's kind of close to what Hashflow is building today, if you're familiar with the project. So uh, they're doing a uh, off-chain, uh, they're doing an automated um, request for quote uh, RFQ system, right? RFQ, uh, automated OTC mm -hmm. marketplace, right? Uh, so, and it's natively right. cross-chain. We wanted to be something like that. Uh, and then we realized, okay, to be something like this, we will need a decentralized coordination network uh, to facilitate transactions, right? To make sure to, to have a network that oversees what's going on on various layer ones, yeah, and to confirm transactions. So um, that is something we need to do. And uh, we had a look at we had a look really. It's uh, you know building this P two P infrastructure. It would take us at least half a year uh, to one year. Yeah. So it yeah. was really too heavy. And I was like, okay, I, I was looking around us and um, basically everything else I see, you know, all those examples I gave you, right? No matter it's chaining the graph, right. uh, if you're reading content delivery um, or, you know, social fly projects, right? Uh, so you, you're rebuilding the wheel. You're building a decentralized node network specific to your application uh, individually and repetitively. And this is a lot of work. And uh, to be honest, this uh, reminds me of how people are building on-chain applications before there is Ethereum. Uh, I, I'm, okay. yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know if you remember, but back in the day before there is Ethereum, you know, people have people still have on-chain applications, right? People have the the likes yeah. of Namecoin, right? They're forking the Bitcoin blockchain mm -hmm. and writing their business logic on top of it. So what they had to do is basically, first of all, they have to compose their business logic, right? In code and then uh, they also need an infrastructure which is a blockchain right so a decentralized node network uh, in the form of blockchain and they need their communities to they need to constantly engage with their community right to uh, to, to to maintain that ledger to maintain that decentralized node network and thus it's business logic right uh, so mm -hmm. it is a lot of work they have to engage with their community they have to make sure they're constantly uh, providing service to the blockchain, so their business logic can be functional, right? It's a lot of work. Um, and, you know, everyone doing their own infrastructure, this is not composable, right? Uh, it's very hard for, uh, for, uh, for one application on one infrastructure to talk to or even work with another application on a different set of infrastructure, right? They might even have different communication standards, yeah? So, uh, you know, it, it really... It, off-chain, the off-chain space, right? The broader mm -hmm. decentralized application space where everyone's building their own decentralized backend, uh, their current status reminds me of how the prehistoric era where people are building mm -hmm. on-chain applications without a layer one. 
they're at the same okay. stage right now. So, and it is also, uh, you know, if you remember like 20 years ago, when, when people are, when people start to build like internet businesses, right. Uh, initially what people do is, you know, to have those huge IT departments in their local offices, right. And to maintain those local servers, right. The people run servers in their backyard, basically. Yeah. And people think mm -hmm. this is what it takes to do an internet business, right. People take this for granted. Yeah. Um, and this is a huge distraction for for individual businesses that tries to really leverage what they have, uh, their their own expertise in business logic, uh, and you know it's a huge entry hurdle, right? Uh, for right. for newer people that wants to get into the space, not everyone has the expertise, right? Maintaining all those hardwares <laughs> uh, and, and servers, right? And and it's really the same case now. And so so like back in the day, uh, back in the day, right? People are struggling and having this entry hurdle until there is a generalized infrastructure, right? Namely cloud right. services, right? And that really mm -hmm. enable that prosperous web two as we know of today, because people don't have to worry about that anymore, right? They can just deploy and forget about it. Yeah. So in web three nowadays, um, we still don't have that. There's yet a, a general purpose infrastructure that allows individual projects and developers to spin up their decentralized node network, their decentralized backend in a very convenient fashion, right? As mentioned, they need to do everything themselves. They need to engage with their backyard, namely their community, right? For, uh, and, mm -hmm. and, and host their backend over there, right? Uh, as long as, not, uh, as you're not building something like super simple and only on chain, yeah? which is like 20% of the case nowadays, I would say. Like most projects, they require some kind of backend besides the blockchain, yeah. So what we're yes. doing here uh, at Blockless is really to uh, give developers the freedom and the option for them to easily spin up a decentralized node network um, based on our you know global community uh, and the, their right. the node resources they provide, right? Uh, and, and really have their functions up and running uh, in a, in a, in a decentralized way on day one. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that, that's certainly, uh, certainly a solution. If I was a, a developer, personally, I, I would want to, but I, I know that there are uh, tons of developers that are, that are looking exactly to do that. Right. And when we titled this, titled this particular program, uh, you know, building blocks on blockchain, mm -hmm. uh, that, Modular aspect of blockless was was the thing that fascinated me the most. I see. Right? So yeah, so so thank you for, for spelling that one out for us, Mike. Um, well, this is this is kind of it's of course it's been uh, interesting, and I'm I'm being asked at this point if we have room for one question. So uh, I, I do have a question that's coming from one of one of our listeners in today, um, and yeah, so Mike, if you'd like to take it, it's. It's not entirely uh, related to, to what we're saying, but I think the, the person asked this a bit early on in the program. Of course. Uh, and, you know, yeah. Uh, so what he wanted to know is uh, if he could sell, and I think he's, he's reaching out to your, <laughs> to your research background, but he says, this is from uh, Midas Cryptic, uh, where he says, how can I sell at least one or two NFTs that have a value like one ETH? Um, that, that, that was his question, uh, you know, obviously inspired by uh, some of the research that you have. So if you've got some thoughts you'd like to share with that, and then I have one more question coming up. Uh, okay, so so the question is, how, how do I sell uh, NFTs at one ease? Or what is it? Yeah, if he's got, you know, yeah. If he's gotten some NFTs in his hand, and he wants to sell those at one ease. Yeah. Uh, yes, like, that, that is... Is he the owner of that yeah. NFT project, or...? Oh, that's a good question. Um, my critic, would you would you like to answer that? Okay, let's let's assume that he is because I'm I'm not certain he'll have the ability to to respond fast enough. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, yeah, yeah, because um, okay. from my perspective, if you're if you're running your own NFT project, right, and and, and then you have, uh, then then you are engaging with your community already, right? Then you can do whatever community initiatives really to pump your pump your NFTs, right? Uh, it, it's, it's something you have, uh, you have control. You have control to some extent of, 
right? It, it's really a lot of hard work on the on the team, right? Building a community. But if you are um, an individual that bought NFTs, right? Um, and as we know, NFTs are very illiquid. Uh, so I would mm -hmm. think. Uh, if you really have to sell them at one ease, right? I mean, under this market, it's really, you know, you have to be part of the NFT issuing team, right? You really have to be part of the team, be be part of their community, right? And reinforcing the narratives and expanding the community. Um, otherwise, I, I I mean, I mean, given this market, right? It's going to be a bit difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally, totally, totally understood. Uh... This this is this is one of the best markets, and you know uh, NFTs as as a whole may have taken a hit, uh, but there's interesting use cases around that, and you know we right. of course we also speak about that on our uh, program on on Tuesday. Yes. So thank you for that, Mike. It it does answer the question, you know, build some hype around it, and uh, and that's the point at which you can consider selling it for that value. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm I'm not like a huge NFT person, so I mean this is one of those mundane answers, and uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I I I mean I do think like yeah. NFTs right now, I mean it's still a huge trend that's going on, right? But um, I think people need to look into more about you know the the practical functionalities of it. Right. So, so right now it's more, more or less used only for IP purposes, right. And building a community. Um, but going forward, uh, you know, I, I mean, I do think, for, uh, say in the case of those AMM protocols, right. Um, they are using NFTs for LP tokens and there are other uh, financial applications and other, um, uh, other kind of, um, uh, services, uh, that's in web three that's using NFTs in creative ways. So I, I, I would suggest to, Definitely keeping an eye out for those projects. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think this also I, it's a, it's an interesting question to to debate. I know we, we don't have too much time mm -hmm. for it, but just a, just a quick thought about that, right? It, I, I'm coming back to something that you said earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with reference to the the grunt and the the, the grit that goes into building uh, building that sort of startup. So you you've hit the nail on the head when you say that you got to build hype if you want to sell. Uh, an NFT for an ETH or more, right? Yeah, of course. Because it needs to have that to the person who's buying it. Exactly. Okay. We've got one more. Okay. We we had one more question, but uh, uh, the person back down, he's, uh, uh, I'm not certain he or she, but that ID back back out from, from the request. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw one, I'll throw one across to you, Mike. Um, final thoughts on, final thoughts on, um, you know, what you would like our listeners to know from your perspective in the Web3 space and, you know, what, what are you seeing for the future, right? Yeah, what I see in the future is that, um, you know, I, I think developers should be able to build uh, without limits, right? That only goes into say, you know, uh, I know people are uh, building many uh, uh, Solidity developer tools, such as Hardpath, uh, those have been very useful, uh, but also for people building in the off-chain space, right? People who are trying to expand the current service boundaries, right, by launching their own decentralized node networks and connecting them to various blockchains, right. So, so uh, I, I I do think this will become a trend uh, going forward. Uh, we already see this happening in the past couple of years, and I think right now uh, with more and more uh, you know decentralized compute projects coming up, uh, this would become more and more of a trend. And from here we will truly be able to build a Web3 functionality layer. Yeah, that is very different and much more powerful than what we have nowadays. Perfect. Mike, thank you so much for, for sharing those thoughts and for being on the show today. We, you know, I, I'm certain the audience also staying back has had a, a wonderful time listening to your insight that you, you're sharing about what you're doing, uh, you know, your your background, uh, the the thoughts that you have about Web3. So once again, thank you for being here today. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you so much. You're, you're very welcome. So that's it, ladies and gentlemen. It's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, next week we're back here at the same time at the same place. Uh, for those of you that are more interested in focusing on uh, use cases of NFTs, we have a show that is on Tuesday at exactly the same time. Uh, hosted by Ad Lunam, our co-founder, Nati Besta, hosts that show. It's the future of NFTs. Look out for it on Ad Lunam INC. Uh, this is 
I've been JP speaking to you from Adlutum INC, talking about Web3. And thank you once again for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Thank you, JP. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Diving Into Crypto, proudly hosted by Adlunum, the first engaged-to-earn platform with a proof-of-attention model and dynamic NFT investor profiles. 